Welcome to the Birth Like a Mammal podcast. Birth Like a Mammal is a community created for both parents and birth workers to learn and understand how birth was designed to function in alignment with mammalian biology. I'm your host, Lindsay Askins. I'm a doula and birth coach, a mother of three, and an expert on mammalian biology. I have a degree in animal science, spent many years breeding horses, and have given birth like a mammal three times. After a decade of supporting families as a doula, it's clear to me that obstetrics makes no connection to mammalian biology in regards to birth. And as a result, we have a high rate of complications for mothers and babies giving birth. Whether you are a parent or a doula, I created this podcast and this community to teach you what it means to birth like a mammal. Humans are mammals, and we are designed to birth like mammals. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Birth Like a Mammal podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Askins. I'm a doula, a birth photographer, and a mother of three. And I started this podcast because as a whole, our culture is highly misinformed, uninformed, ignorant about all things mammalian birth. And I think that humans forget that we are mammals. And most complications within the realm of obstetrics and birth in general can be traced all the way back to the fact that we are not birthing like mammals. So today, we are going to cover the age-old debate, in air quotes, of hospital versus home birth. I honestly don't really like to talk about this topic. I don't like how we have turned it into a debate because it doesn't need to be a debate. It's like debating whether you like apples or oranges better. You can like both. You can like neither. You can like just one of those. But trying to compare them closely enough to argue about why one's better than the other is absurd. They are so different that trying to compare them and find the similarities, enough similarities to argue in favor of one or the other is ridiculous. I've watched this go on for years when I was really deep into birth advocacy as it relates to maternity care in America. This was a constant conversation online on Facebook threads and Instagram threads. There is a woman who I think needs a lot of therapy who goes by the name Dr. Amy. The story is she's an obstetrician who has not practiced in quite some time, which based on what she says, that appears to be the case. She's been quiet for a while, or maybe my algorithm has just figured out I don't want to hear from her, but I haven't seen anything from her in years. But she used to get on, you know, in online spaces, on Facebook threads and home birth groups and would literally troll, like that actual word, troll people's conversations and inject her very aggressive and almost always malicious comments just spewing vitriol about how she feels about home birth. So it sounds like there's some trauma there and that's, you know, what she's projecting from. But that used to be a really common conversation. And I feel like enough women have started to take back birth and birth where and with whom they choose and have stopped believing this narrative that we've been told since the 40s and 50s about hospital birth being so safe. And I think initially it was sold as like this luxurious, cushy experience. You know, it was this posh thing you do. And I think that a lot of women have really had enough of that because of all the rampant trauma. I mean, my entire project, Exposing the Silence Project, 
that we started back in 2015 with Kristen Pascucci at Birth Monopoly shows that. I mean, it illustrates that up to a third of women, it's probably more now, leave birth completely traumatized, so much so that they're clinically diagnosed with PTSD. And so I think enough women have had an experience like that, that they've made a different choice in subsequent births and realized, oh, whoa, there's this whole other way to have a baby than what I've been told by my doctor, my TV, my movies, my culture. That's not what birth looks like. So this topic this week came up because this past week, there was a lot of buzz around social media and mainstream media involving an MD, an obstetrician down in Georgia, I believe, who this is, I hate using that phrase, trigger warning, but what I'm about to say is not pleasant. It's on par with like a Quentin Tarantino movie. So maybe just skip forward a couple seconds if you've had some birth trauma or if you lost a baby or something like that. But this MD down in Georgia was so aggressive and so overmanaging a birth of a healthy, normal first-time mom. She was only in labor. Don't quote me. I think it was something like 12 hours. It was a, it was a rather short amount of time for a first-time labor. And this doctor managed to internally decapitate this baby. I, I think it was internally. Decapitated the baby the baby didn't make it, was an otherwise perfectly healthy, normal baby. This is all just stuff I read on social media, so don't quote me as like the news source, but there was some really horrifying commentary that apparently they didn't tell the parents right away and the staff helped cover it up. They wrapped the baby in a blanket and made it look like he was fine, like with his head not attached. This is a horrible story. This is like major, major, major malpractice, right? This is I mean, murder by all accounts of the definition of murder. And at the very, very, very least, it is obstetric violence, right? Like that's, this is, this is what we're talking about. This is an incredibly horrific version of obstetric violence, but it all comes down to this doctor just completely having zero understanding of the process of mammalian birth and being so concerned about his insurance policy or the hospital policy or whatever it is, all the boxes he thinks he needs to check that he just wants to get this baby out of this woman instead of allowing this process to happen as it would or should. So there was a post from another account regarding this entire situation, event, case, whatever. And my comment on the thread was, you know, tell me again that hospital birth is so safe. I'll wait or something like that. I mean, it was snarky. I'll give you that. But I'm just tired of the pedestal we've put allopathic medicine, but in this case, obstetrics on when this is what they're doing. I mean, this is this is a very outlying, abnormal, insane story. But if this happened at home, imagine the uproar, the outcry, what would happen to that midwife, right? Like, meanwhile, they're like processing this guy you know, like through normal judicial, you know, innocent until proven guilty sort of approach. And I'm like, what? This, I mean, this person should never, ever be near anyone in any regard of healthcare whatsoever for the rest of his life. And and honestly should be in jail for the rest of his life. So, you know, the approach is unequal. The, the mindset is unequal. The perspective is unequal. So for the most part, people agreed with what I'm saying. However, there was a few comments and I wanted to share some of those to kind of illustrate the purpose of today's episode. So here's a couple, here's a man. Most of them were women. Here's a man. My wife and four-year-old would both be dead if we had a home birth. Please don't be naive. 
So the assumption that anyone who is in support of birthing at home is naive is is my first clue that this person is is mostly pretty ignorant on the ins and outs of home birth and why someone might choose that, right? Like the idea that a naive person would just haphazardly on a whim choose to have their baby at home is is laughable. Some of the most educated families, mothers, fathers on birth are the families that choose home birth because you have to be. If you're deciding against something that's been told to you your entire life and most of your culture does it, you have to go learn some new stuff, right? You don't just go, oh, this looks cool and go for it. No, you are highly read. You are highly researched. You are well-educated on this decision you're making. So the idea that someone would perceive a person who is either in support of home birth or chooses a home birth as naive tells me that that person is actually the one who is naive. And then when he says, my wife and four-year-old would both be dead, I, I would just love to know the circumstances of that, right? Like, was she induced? Did she have preeclampsia that could have been fixed with diet, but her care provider didn't tell her that? Were they telling her she had low amniotic fluid? Did they tell her that the baby was, you know, had IUGR and, and needed to come out early? Did they have a care provider that didn't know how to deal with a shoulder dystocia or a breech baby? There's a million things that could be this person's case where they truly believe that the wife and baby would die, but maybe not and likely not. Because if we had such a high percentage of mothers and babies who needed obstetrics and surgery and all of this intervention to go through the process of birth, none of us would be here right now. There's no way this process would have taken you know, taken place on its own for millions of years if it had such a high percentage of failure, such a high rate of failure, when none of us would be here. If you leave it alone, it has a very high rate of success. So when we hear these stories about, you know, somebody would be dead or this would have happened or somebody was going to hemorrhage or all of these things, almost always it's an induction, it's a scheduled C-section, or it's mismanagement of the process of labor and birth due to complete ignorance on how mammalian birth takes place. The next comment was, my pelvis is too small to birth a child. I would have died and so would my son. I also had preeclampsia and required hospitalization for that because it almost killed me. Some people really do need hospitals. Sure, Katie, some people do need hospitals. That's true. And that's great that we have hospitals for the small percentage of people who need them. However, the chances of your pelvis being too small to birth your child are like maybe 1% to 2%, depending on who in the world you made a baby with. That's not a thing. Most of the time, that is not a thing. I also had preeclampsia. Okay, so this is the problem with preeclampsia. It's almost always, not always, almost always created by diet and lifestyle. It's, it's a created problem. Again, the rate of, of women right now walking around with preeclampsia during pregnancy is way higher than it was centuries ago. Because if it was as high back then as it is now, we wouldn't be here right now. Back to that. Birth is designed to succeed. Birth is designed to occur without complication. The survival of each species depends on it. So I'd be willing to bet, and I'm making assumptions here, but I would be willing to bet that she was seeing an OB for her prenatal care. That's the person that told her her pelvis was too small based on what information, who knows. And that care provider had no idea 
how to treat, I guess is the right word, slash get rid of preeclampsia with a diet change. These doctors aren't educated on that. They don't have any understanding of like whole real foods and how we eat and how we live contributes to most of our prenatal complications. So that's sad. I don't think that she realizes she didn't need all that. But also very often when you hear people say, oh, well, I needed this because of this, or I had to have that, or they saved me or all these things. Number one, it might be a lack of information and a lack of education on what actually happened. But number two, the amount of trauma that comes from these situations is so bad that these people have to justify the circumstances and the chain of events that transpired. Otherwise, they have to face this horrific trauma that they're carrying around, right? And that's scary and that's hard. And now you have a new baby and you're supposed to be dealing with this other trauma on top of that, especially if it's your first baby. You've never nursed a baby before. Maybe you've never changed diapers before. You're not sleeping like you used to sleep. And now you have all this trauma based on this experience that you just had. So it's much easier to be like, well, that had to happen because of X, Y, Z and focus on dealing with your baby than to admit that all of this stuff probably was completely unnecessary and preventable. And that's not to blame the mother for how she handles that. That is a normal human response coping mechanism to loads of trauma. And that sucks. Another comment. This baby would have died at home as well due to the fact that it was too big and was a shoulder dystocia. Let's stop right there. The majority of babies born are not, quote, too big to be birthed. Unless you are a four-foot-tall Japanese woman having a baby with Shaquille O'Neal, those are very different gene pools. Those are very different body structures. Those are very different ethnicities coming together to put genes together to a baby. And it still might even work, honestly. But unless the gap between your genetics is that large, your baby's not too big to fit through your pelvis. That's not a thing. Secondly, she said it, it was a shoulder dystocia, so the baby would have died at home. I don't know if it was shoulder dystocia. I haven't read the details of the story because honestly, it makes me want to throw up. However, again, obstetricians, most of them are not trained on how to handle a shoulder dystocia. I actually know how to handle a shoulder dystocia. Have I done it? No. Have I watched it happen a million times at home? Yep. Have I seen it happen in a million videos online at home births? Yep. And honestly, when you leave the laboring mother alone, very often she instinctively get into the position that a midwife would otherwise ask her to get into to birth her baby. It's a matter of getting over on hands and knees and you pull one leg forward and adjust the pelvis. And very often a midwife has to help that anterior shoulder. But these obstetricians don't know that. They don't know how to deal with it. So they freak out and run to the OR. So again, this person who's trying to, quote, educate my comment, me, whoever, on my naive home birth comments is completely ignorant to the fact the midwives, the CPMs at home, some CNMs at home, they actually have more experience and more training and are actually more well-equipped to handle a shoulder dystocia than an obstetrician in a hospital. And babies don't die from shoulder dystocia when you know how to handle it. That's not a thing. The second part of her comment. Also, mom would have probably died as well because it created a higher hemorrhage risk when there is a shoulder. That's not true. <laughs> that is just blatantly not true. Could it possibly cause more bleeding? Sure. So could like 5 million other things during birth. But just that right there, everything she said is completely false. Next comment. Home births are unsafe. If you need oxygen for the baby or, this is really bad grammar, 
if you need oxygen for the baby, if needed, or emergency equipment. I think she's trying to say they're unsafe in the case you need oxygen or emergency equipment. This is a doctor that didn't care for the patient or the baby. Yes, that's true. (laughs) However, home birth midwives carry oxygen and emergency equipment. Again, so misinformed. Uh, A good one was, let's not get carried away. So, but the doctor that just decapitated this baby and killed a perfectly healthy, normal newborn, he didn't get carried away? Okay. Another one, stop spreading nonsense. Hmm. So the idea that we would call out medical malpractice and a version of obstetric violence that resulted in a death of a perfectly healthy baby, we would call that out. That is spreading nonsense. Now, we are so ingrained culturally to put these MDs on a pedestal and put these OBs on a pedestal and these people are the experts and we have to go there to be saved from this dreaded thing called pregnancy and labor and birth. So the idea that we would speak out against that and maybe suggest that there's a better way that actually has less risk involved and is more caring and loving way to bring a baby into the world, that is now called spreading nonsense. That's the highlight reel. There was some more, but that was most of them. The purpose of this episode is not to present a defensive argument against these specific comments. I'd like to use those comments to illustrate everything I'm about to say about home birth versus hospital birth. Because often when you're in this conversation, you get these really emotionally charged, reactive comments like that, like stop spreading nonsense. There was someone else that said shame on you, I think, to me for suggesting that a home birth is a better option. So we get these really emotionally charged really radical responses when you bring up the idea of home birth. And so when you're talking to people like that, you're really not going to get anywhere. And the purpose isn't to change anyone's mind. Everybody should be making their own choices about where they give birth. The purpose is to say, hey, here's another option for those of you that feel like this is scary or you had a bad experience or you're reading this story and now you don't want to go to the hospital to have a baby. There's also this option because in our mainstream culture, it's not really talked about. So specifically to the person that said shame on you towards me, I said, you know, I really just have no shame in speaking up for families like this one that have lost a baby and speaking against obstetric violence and the horrible outcomes that come out of obstetrics in general due to lack of knowledge about mammalian birth and how it should proceed as designed. That is really why I even answer those people because I'm I'm not going to ever shut up about obstetric violence and how far off the path of mammalian birth we have become as humans. I'm not going to shut up about that. And I have no shame in speaking up about that. So today, a lot of those comments, and often in this conversation, that the comments you get back, they're based in fear, right? People are scared of something that they don't know anything about. They're afraid to choose something that seems really crazy and unfamiliar because they've never seen it on TV or in the movies and they know nobody who's done it. I'll be the first one to say when my sister had a home birth about a year before I had my first baby, I thought she was nuts. She was living on a farm in Kentucky and she had this backcountry midwife who we all called the witch doctor at the time because I didn't know anything about midwifery. And we kind of mocked the whole event and we mocked the midwife. And to be fair, she wasn't a real nice person, but 
She'd been doing this for 14 years. So I was in that same boat, but it's honestly because at the time I felt that that was a really scary, dangerous choice my sister was making, right? Like, why would you choose that? So most of these comments and most of this debate is based in fear. And that fear comes from a place of ignorance because when we have knowledge, we have more power, right? When we have knowledge, we have more confidence to make decisions. When we have fear and we're making decisions from a place of fear, there's a lot of ignorance there. And then there's also a lot of emotion that comes into it. So when I had my first baby, I learned quickly that I didn't need to really share with anyone what our plans were in regards to staying home to have her. Like we, we learned real quick that that wasn't something that was real culturally acceptable. And I had also heard a lot of stories about women who announced prenatally they were having a home birth and CPS showing up at their doorstep. That's sort of geographically dependent. But I was hearing about that. So that was freaking me out. So I, I just kind of kept my mouth shut. I didn't tell anybody what we were planning. So I'm in labor. It was a long labor, 19 hours. I started at midnight the night before. And sometime the next morning, I would say probably around 9, 10 a.m., one of our friends stopped by to pick up some dresses I had borrowed from her. And she just stopped by to get it. And my husband, whom I thought I had been really clear about keeping this whole thing on the down low, he lets her in the house. And so I hear, I'm in my bedroom, I hear her talking out in the living room and it's, it's, it threw me off. It made me nervous. I feel like I needed to hide in the bathroom. I didn't want to talk to her. Like I felt that adrenaline go up and that oxytocin go down. So I talk about that a lot with mammalian birth, like adrenaline and oxytocin are not friends. And if you have an adrenaline spike, your oxytocin goes down. If your oxytocin goes down, your cervix stops dilating. Sometimes it closes back up. And your whole labor hormone concoction, some people call it a cocktail, is either paused or stopped completely because we're mammals. And so we have that fight or flight instinct. And when our adrenaline goes up, we think we're supposed to fight or flight. Well, nobody can run or fight in labor. So labor stops. It's a survival mechanism. So I hear her in my living room and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, the loss of like my labor flow. And I'm like, surely he's just going to give her the dresses and like send her on her way, right? No, no, no. She comes back to the back bedroom. So at this point, I don't want her to know I'm in labor because I'm afraid she'll tell somebody. I'm afraid I'll end up on Facebook. And I'm afraid that something's going to happen where CPS ends up at my doorstep or something crazy. Like I'm literally fearful of the outcome of her learning that I'm in labor. So now my adrenaline is very high, right? And I'm really nervous. And I'm trying to talk to her without letting her know I'm having contractions. So luckily, I still was like maybe 10 minutes between contractions, I think, then. So I was hoping to just get her out of there before the next one came. Well, that didn't happen. So I had to lean over on the bed and sway through a contraction, and she figured it out. Oh, my God, you're in labor. And so I, as soon as that one was over, I looked her dead in the face, and I was like, do not tell anyone. Do not put this on Facebook. Do not say a word. And I was real serious, and I think she kind of got the flow, but I still just didn't trust that that wouldn't happen. So then I was mad at my husband, you know, that he allowed this to happen. And so that that probably added a whole extra hour to my labor because it took me a long time to get back in that feeling safe, comfortable oxytocin flow. So after we got her on her way, I got back in my flow, and the baby was born later that evening. After she was born, I she was born on a Thursday night. I called the midwife I'd been seeing, which, long story, I don't need to get into, but she wasn't the one I'd seen the whole prenatal care. I sort of got switched to her at the end because my midwife had to leave, and I didn't really like her, and we didn't really click, and that's a lot of the reason why I stayed home. But I, she had a, I had an appointment that Monday would have been my 41st week appointment, and so I called her and was like, hey, just wanted to let you know the baby came. And I just told her, oops, she came real fast at home. Like, I didn't tell her. Well, she yelled at me on the phone. Yelled at me. And so I, I think she figured out that I 
planned to stay home. And I think she thought I had hired a home birth midwife and hadn't told her, which to be fair, you're supposed to, you know, tell one care provider you're switching care so that they are no longer responsible for you. So I had to hang up. here, Here I am, not even 48 hours postpartum, and she's yelling at me on the phone. So I hung up on her. But it was like all these little pieces like that, right, that made me feel like I did something wrong or I was bad. I had to hide this this choice I'd made. I had another friend come by and bring us a meal in that first week after the baby was born who happens to be an RN. And I'll never forget, she sat on my couch and said, well, you're really lucky that the baby didn't die and that you guys were okay. And she said it was such like snarky, like condescending tone that by that time, enough people had said things to me. And I was in that postpartum, like kind of mama bear mode. And it made me really angry. And here she'd brought us this lovely, delicious dinner that she'd spent a few hours preparing. And so I felt a little weird getting angry at her. But I said, you know, if you're going to make comments like that, like feel free to leave. And so she stopped, but it just got awkward. And now all these years later, I know that like her comment came from a place of concern based on her own education and perspective and experience. But in that moment, it was probably one of the worst things someone could say to a woman who just had a baby, right? The baby's like four days old. So before the baby came, while the baby was coming, and after the baby came, I learned that anytime I brought up my experience or my choice, it was not well-received. It was shut down, and it was a lot of just ignorant, fear-based comments. So I really didn't share her birth story. I didn't tell people her story. I kept it to myself. And a year later, when I started working as a doula, I didn't really share it with my clients. I just felt like it wasn't going to be well-received and people had a lot of like really emotional knee-jerk reactions to it. So I really just kept it to myself. Now, looking back, I should have been telling that story all along. I mean, my husband, even he goes on a deployment, he tells everybody on the deployment about her story and they all thought it was great, probably because it was coming from a dude. (laughs) But I I should have been telling this story the whole time, right? Like I just didn't because I wasn't in a place where I could keep arguing. And that's the point of this episode today is the argument and the debate that comes when you talk about hospital birth and home birth. I just wanted people to say, oh, yay, congrats, you know, like like they would if I'd gone to the hospital and came out with a bunch of trauma, you know, nobody would have said anything otherwise than hooray, congrats. So now I talk about it more and that's a lot of the fuel of the fire for this podcast. But there's just so much conditioning when it comes to birth, right? There's just so much unlearning that needs to happen for someone to even consider a home birth. There's so many things you need to learn and understand before you can just say, oh yeah, let's have a home birth. Our culture just perceives birth as this scary, horrible thing that we all need saving from. And that's just not true. There was a video yesterday on Instagram that I really appreciate it. I may do a whole episode on that as well. And it showed a woman holding her baby. She was still in the birthing pool. And she's very calm and the baby's very calm. The baby's up against her chest and she's holding him really tight. And she's calmly working on birthing the placenta. And I just watched that video and it was the same experience I had at the third stage of labor with all of my babies. In fact, my first baby, I didn't even get up to do that until two hours after she was born because I was just so tired and I needed to eat and I needed to lay down. And then finally, two hours later, my sister was like, girl, just just get this over with. Let's move on. So there's no rush for that, right? So I'm watching this video of this woman calmly holding her baby. I don't know how much time had passed since the baby was born, but the baby was very calm and didn't look like it was fresh, vernix-wise. And she's just calmly breathing her placenta out. And the caption was making reference to the fact that like, 
we don't even honor this process in obstetrics. We just rush through it. We do fundal pressure. We yank on cords. We do all these things to get this placenta out because we have to hurry and it has to happen by this certain time. And oh my gosh, she's going to hemorrhage. And there's like all this just like energy that just sucks and isn't, isn't really what needs to happen for the third stage of labor. And so I'm just watching this woman and it was just so apparent. Like there's nobody in L&D that has watched that. They've never just allowed the placenta to come when it's ready, when the mom's ready, when it's all ready, right? It's just this huge, crazy forced event that often results in hemorrhaging that would not have occurred otherwise. And then we blame it on something else, but there's no reverence for the whole process. I'm a little off course here, but those are like some of like the distinct differences between home birth and hospital birth that I feel people just do not understand. A lot of the choice between the two is just reverence. One has it, one doesn't. Respect for the process. One has it, one doesn't. Deep understanding of mammalian biology. One has it, one doesn't. So you can talk about the stats and the data and the studies and all the things all day long in these, quote, arguments, but it doesn't matter. The stats and the data and the studies are skewed anyway because most home birth families don't record the stats and data. I didn't. There's no data. Microls being born, there's no stats or data anywhere involving that other than the fact that they didn't contribute to the hospital birth numbers, right? They don't know the length of their labors or how long it took till the placenta came out or what the nursing rate was for them afterwards or whether or not I hemorrhaged. Like there's no data. And for a lot of home births, that is the case. There's a lot of women giving birth without midwives. There's no documentation about the stats surrounding these babies' births because there doesn't need to be. But if you take the amount of home births we have and you take the amount of hospital births we have and you get sort of a rough idea, because again, it's not going to be accurate, but a rough idea of neonatal deaths or even just bad outcomes for a baby, don't even talk about birth complications or hospital transfers or, or even the maternal side. Just take the babies. There is a much higher percentage of neonatal death in hospital births. And you could argue, well, yeah, because it's a higher number of babies that go there. Sure. But if you just break it down to where the risk is, there's way more risk in a hospital environment. That is the truth because we disrupt the process. And that's what a previous episode on this podcast was about was the disruption is the risk. The disruption introduces the risk. You can't eliminate the the risk entirely. We can't do that anywhere in life. That's impossible. But the induction, the scheduled C-section, the episiotomy, the forceps, the fundal pressure, the pitocin, the heplock, the IV fluids, the lack of nourishment, the lack of, of moving around during labor, the electronic fetal monitor, all of it, the epidural, all of those things add risk. So if you take like a standard normal birth where the woman goes in, she gets induced, then she gets an epidural, then she's on her back, then she hasn't been fed. She hasn't had enough water. So now we pump fluids into her. And now the baby's heart rate is dropping because of the Pitocin. So now we give her the epidural to slow it down. But now the baby's too sleepy. And now she's on her back. So the baby can't come out. So now she goes to the OR. I mean, this is like literally a common story that happens every single day. None of that crap happens in home birth. None of it. Zero of that happens in home birth. Are there some home birth transfers that end up in the OR? Yes. And I would say 99% of them need to be in an OR. But the number of women that end up in an OR when they started laboring at home and planned a home birth is minuscule. 
compared to the amount of C-sections we hand out in this country on a daily basis. A cesarean is the second most performed surgery in America after some sort of orthopedic surgery, I believe. Second most performed. The average woman who goes to a hospital and has a baby and ends up with a C-section and leaves a hospital, her bill is $65,000. That's insane. This doesn't happen at home. We don't introduce all this risk at home. At home, it's just the normal amount of risk that exists for all of the other mammals on the planet. The part that's been built into evolution and epigenics and biology that you can't get rid of no matter what you do. So for me, choosing the least amount of risk makes sense than going into a place that's touted as being safer, except that's the place that's adding the risk. Even just just talking to people you don't know and the bright lights and the disruption, that in itself is a bunch of risk. So we can argue about home birth and hospital all day long, and we can pull out the stats and the studies, most of which are funded by allopathic medicine and pharmaceutical companies, by the way. But at the end of the day, you have to choose to give birth where you feel safe. And if all of the equipment and stuff at the hospital makes you feel safe, then you should go have a baby there. If being at home in your bed and eating food out of your refrigerator and catching your own baby in your bathroom makes you feel safe, then you should do that. But this podcast is about mammalian birth, and mammalian birth does not happen in a hospital. So we can talk about people being naive and spreading nonsense, and we should be shamed for suggesting that we stick to mammalian biology. But at the end of the day, the least amount of risk is mammalian birth, because that is what's happening for all the other species on the planet And it's what's been happening for millions of years. And it's how it's designed to take place. If you have questions on this, please reach out. I do one-on-one birth coaching. I am happy to talk about this all day long. Maybe you've had a terrible hospital birth and you're pregnant again and you're considering a home birth, but it sounds scary. Please reach out. I would love to talk to you about this. I would love to work through your fears, go through that step-by-step and figure out where the fear comes from and make sure that you're choosing to give birth in the place where you feel the most safe and the most comfortable. And for some women, that's like a forest or a beach. Great. We all have to give birth where we feel comfortable and safe. And if that's in a hospital, that's okay. But if that's what we choose, we need to understand what we're choosing, right? Just like if you choose to give birth at home, you need to understand what you're choosing. The responsibility shifts. I talked about that on the previous episode, where your responsibility lies. But debating Hospital birth versus home birth is beating a dead horse. It's arguing about apples and oranges. There's no point. We all just need to have all of the information, all of the facts, and make the choice that makes us feel the most safe, the most comfortable, the best way for us to allow the oxytocin flow to happen so our baby can arrive without complications. You can reach me at birthlikeamammal.com. You can reach out at join at birthlikeamammal.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at birthlikeamammal. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for being here today. If you know somebody who needs to hear about birthing like a mammal, please share this podcast. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here today. The Birth Like a Mammal podcast is produced by me, Lindsay Askins. It is edited by Stephanie Weniger. If you enjoyed this episode or want to learn more, please reach out at join at birthlikeamammal.com. Birth Like a Mammal offers courses, classes, webinars, coaching, and an upcoming book. You can also follow us on both Instagram and TikTok at Birth Like a Mammal. If you have not subscribed to our newsletter, head over to birthlikeamammal.com and subscribe now. 
My subscribers are the first to know when new podcast episodes drop, in addition to receiving the free monthly call link on the first Sunday of every month. That link goes out to subscribers only. If you learned something today, please share this community with anyone who is pregnant or supporting families during pregnancy and birth. Have a great rest of your day.